Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of singers, dancers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the boards and are, well, Broadway's backbone. Welcome to episode 84. My guest is Jennifer Smith. Oh, I'm sitting here with Jennifer Smith. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for doing this. Of course. We're actually sitting on the floor in the Holiday Inn in Sacramento Music Theater. Holiday Inn Express. Oh, yes, yes. yes. And you're someone that I've wanted to interview for a really long time, but I didn't know you, and now I'm excited that I got to know you. Me too. And uh, just a disclaimer, this is going to be first on my podcast. Jennifer did not get the questions before. I usually give the questions before. Jennifer's doing double duty. She's doing Drowsy Chaperone at night and rehearsing Guys and Dolls during the day. So we tried to figure out a time, and we just said, we'll do it after the show. And so I'm so glad you could do this. You're going to get some questions thrown at you. Excellent. I'm good at improv. Oh, (laughs) sounds good. So I'm going to read your credits. There's two pages of them. Your career is unbelievable. Starting from most recent on Broadway, you have Anastasia, you have Tuck Everlasting, Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder on the tour, Nice Work If You Can Get It, Tale of Two Cities, The Drowsy Chaperone, The Drowsy Chaperone Los Angeles, The Producers, High Society, Scarlet Pimpernel, Lucky in the Rain, Once Upon a Mattress, Victor Victoria, She Loves Me, White Lies, The Secret Garden, A Change in the Air, uh, La Caja Folle, and then also uh, Singing in the Rain National Tour, yes. which I saw. Yes, in San Diego, and I remember seeing it, I remember seeing it twice. Yeah. Uh, so that was unbelievable. Yeah. Did I miss any of their Broadway no. shows? No, some of the ones you mentioned, one was a, a Off-Broadway, White Lies was oh, wh- Off-Broadway. Oh, okay. It was Seesaw was off off Broadway. Seesaw was ELT Equity Library Theater. That was a showcase venue up on 103rd Street that people died to be in those shows because agents and managers and casting people would go see these mm. shows. Uh, you weren't paid anything. You just got transportation money. Oh, okay. But people just clamored to do these and they did wonderful productions so I did Seesaw they stopped doing in I I don't know late 80s I guess they stopped Equity Library Theater but it was a terrific venue really oh. really fun I mean, your career that's, is that's where I met Karen Ziemba oh, we wow. were both in the ensemble of Seesaw and she actually met her husband there Bill Tatum really yeah, yeah. oh that's amazing yeah yeah. It's so it's uh, this the fifteen shows is that how many your bio fifteen on Broadway fifteen uh-huh. on Broadway yeah and then you toured and off Broadway and pretty a little bit constant. of everything wow yeah. so yeah. where are you from and where did you get started I'm from Lubbock Texas and I went to Texas Tech University which is in my hometown mm. and I was a dance major oh, okay I was a dancer but mostly like modern dance we did I you know it wasn't geared towards musical theater my plan was to move to New York for a year after I graduated and study in New York and then come back and get my get my master's degree and become a teacher choreographer and I got to New York and realized that I wanted to do musical theater. Mm. I just loved it. Always had loved it. Just hadn't really had the opportunity to do it much. Or Did you see a lot of it in Lubbock? Not a lot. Oh, no. Okay. So it was mostly movie musicals, you know. A few tours would come through Lubbock, but they weren't the high, you know, first first quality tours. But got to New York and realized I wanted to do musical theater. So I call my first two years in New York my graduate school. And that's when I learned, figured out what my voice was, you know, got audition material, took acting classes. I was on scholarship at a dance studio, which no longer exists, but uh, I could take 
all the dance classes I wanted to, but I had to clean the toilets. Oh. So that was that was the trade-off. <laughs> and I had a part-time job, and I just started going. I was non-union, so I just started going to any and all auditions I could. And I remember uh, they had an open call for dancing. It was a replacement call, and I didn't know what I was doing. Right. But I went to this open call, and uh, Gwen Verdon, you know, we, we did, she was typing. We didn't even dance or do anything. We were just typing, and she went down the line and shook everybody's hand and either said, please stay, or and she got to me and she said, I'm very sorry, thank you. And I didn't even care that I wasn't kept. I, w- I thought Gwen Verdon just shook my hand and spoke to me. Oh, my God. But that was just a, a fun moment. Anyway, so I have gradually started getting small jobs, you know, some of them just awful. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, And I eventually got my equity card, my union card, back in Texas at Dallas Summer Musicals. And it was a summer stock tour of George M. with Ken Berry, who just passed away this oh, last yes. year. Yeah. yeah. Wonder he was wonderful, wonderful. Anyway, so that was my first equity show. Uh, I did ELT, Seesaw at ELT when I got back to New York. So uh, I took, you know, uh, some dinner theater jobs and uh, off Broadway things. The next summer I went back to Dallas Summer Musicals and was cast in the national tour of Hello Dolly with Carol Channing. So I met some wonderful people oh, wow. doing that yeah. tour. I did that for six months, and I had met Jerry Herman through that, you know, just by being on the Hello Dolly tour. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, the tour was in six-month clump and then another six-month clump, and we had a few months in between. So then the time in between, I came back to New York, and I was working a dinner theater job in between, and they were having auditions for Lacage, for singers, for the ensemble for Lacage. So I thought, well, I know Jerry Herman, I'll go in, you know. So I went in, got a call back, and at the call back, this was way back when they actually told you, you know, it was at the Palace Theater, the uh, call back yes. was at the Palace Theater. It was like chorus line, you know, so you're lined up, and they actually told you at the final call back if you were cast. So oh, wow. it was really cool, it was really cool. So that, that was when I got my first Broadway show, of course, it was before cell phones or anything, so I vividly remember I was just so excited, so I went into the basement of the Palace Theater, and there was a payphone, and I called my mom, and uh, she asked me, she said, oh, well, what's the show about? And I, I couldn't really say, oh, a French nightclub with drag queens. Yeah. So, you know, she was pretty conservative woman from Texas. So I just said, oh, it's about a nightclub in France, you know. Right. I just wanted to tell somebody, you know, I wanted, and I said, where can I go? What can I do? And I thought, oh, I'll go to the Equity Lounge. Surely I'll know someone at the Equity Lounge. (laughs) So I went to the Equity Lounge and actually a friend of mine was there and I told her and she said, well, let's go have, you know, let's go have a toast. So we went to a restaurant called Charlie's and we had a glass of wine, you know, and it was just, I remember that evening so well, you know, and just wanting to tell someone. So that, anyway, and it was, you know, it was the original Lacage. It was a huge hit, you know, and I thought in my mind, oh, every every show's going to be like this. Oh, you know, absolutely. Every show. Yeah. And, of course, my second Broadway show closed in two weeks. So. Was, oh, what was your yeah, second Broadway show? It was show? called A Change in the Air, H-E-I-R. Yes. It was at the Edison Hotel where Old Calcutta had yes. played for many years. So we were the first show in after old Calcutta so it was a little odd to go in those dressing rooms yeah you know you were yeah. not quite sure but anyway I met wonderful people uh, J.K. Simmons was in the cast oh wow so it was a wonderful wonder it really it was a ended up being a wonderful experience but sadly uh, sadly you know sadly a not so great 
run. Yes. So. Well, you mentioned your mom, and at backstage yeah. today, you were talking about how you, when you first moved to New York, she came to auditions with you for she, a little while? She came to visit me, and she just, you know, I, I had to go on auditions and do things, and she went with me to some auditions, and it was, I think, fascinating for her, because she, oh, yeah. she had no idea what that experience was like. And I'm so glad that we did that, you know, that she came along with me, and she would sit in the hallway and watch everybody go in and do their thing, and it was, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of a cool thing. What do you think the biggest difference is between, like, audition process now and then the way it was back then, where the people say it's like the heyday, because it just seems... We talk about cell phones now. They just email you 27 pages. What are the biggest difference you see? It seems like there are more invited calls mm-hmm. than, you know. Now, of course, for, for roles and things, people, of course, are submitted by agents. And, and then equity has their EPAs. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me now, uh, even for chorus and understudies, they have invited, you know, and it's harder to get in on those yes. those invited things. So people still go to the open calls, but it's it that part of it is harder, yeah. I think. It's it's also, you know, the amount of audition material that they send us to prepare is it's a lot. Sometimes you'll have an audition, you know, for an ensemble position with understudies and you'll have you know, five scenes, three pieces of music you need to to learn. And it's my opinion that part of the reason that changed, it used to be in the old days, the casting directors would, would provide the material for you, and you went and picked it up at the casting office, and that's how you would learn it, you know. So they had to pay for the printing mm. and the processing of all of that. Well, now, of course, things are emailed to you, and you're responsible for printing it or, you know, using it. And that's a big change because when they had to pay for it, there wasn't so much material you had to oh. learn. But now they'll just send you everything. And yeah. It's like, yeah, just learn it all. That's very stressful. I, I don't even think the creatives understand how stressful that is. But uh, maybe I'm wrong and I'm older and it's harder for me to learn all that material. Oh, so. no. But it's uh, that that's a big change, too. Yeah. yeah. One show I want to talk about is just because right now we're doing Drowsy Chaperone. Yeah. Which I think is lovely and everyone loves the show I have a lot of friends who are involved in it and everyone talks about it being one of the most special Broadway experiences they ever had so my question is twofold how is it to create the role of Kitty being the original production and now 13 years later not only revisit it but revisit it in a different role and in the round yeah it's so wonderful to revisit the piece because I'm reminded just how special and terrific it is and doing a different role is is wonderful too. I mean, I, I couldn't do Kitty now. I'm too old and too decrepit to do Kitty now. But it's just lovely doing Mrs. Tottendale. You know, it, it really is, uh, that that's a, a great gift to me to be able to do both of those roles. Right. It is very different in the round, very different, because, you know, comedy is different in mm-hmm. the round than in a, you know, proscenium situation. So some things work beautifully, some things you know, work in a different way. Right. I th- I was thinking about Toledo Surprise. I think that whole number is m- more effective in the round oh. because the energy builds in a different way. Right. You know, and I think I think the payoff in that is different. Uh, you know, so it's it's exciting and fascinating to see how it works and how it changes. And of course, when we were doing it in New York, we had we previewed in LA and then we had rehearsals and previews in New York, so we had a lot more time yes. to figure stuff out. We put this, you know, we learned it in ten days, yeah. is that right? So, you know, a lot of things could be I, I use the word fixed, but yeah, I right. mean the show's in great shape, I don't right. mean to say that, but we had a lot more time to figure yes. things out yes. in New York. So I think for for how quickly we put it up 
and the cast is extraordinary. So that that has made it just a lovely experience. So yeah. with the role of Kitty, I mean, mm-hmm. I think so many people dream of, especially because we, uh, you've definitely made a, a good career also as an ensemble member. But you created a role of Kitty. You've you've done. You've also you've gone on both sides of the fence, which is like a dream to create a role in a Broadway show and be on the cast album. So how was that in rehearsals? Knowing that part of what is being you created is it being done all over the world on this stage tonight. Uh, how is that? It's very cool. Very cool. <laughs> but it's also wonderful to see how someone else is putting their imprint right. on it. You know, I mean, the basic structure of Kitty is there, but but it, it, that's really special. Yeah. You know, and but uh, you know, because I'm I'm uh, I have a template of you know Georgia Engel doing doing right. Cottondale, so I can't forget what she's done. You right. know, but uh, it, it's it's great that these roles lend themselves to individual interpretation. Too. Yeah. Was the room, knowing Casey, was the room open to environment and you you coming up with stuff and stuff that was specifically for you? Yes, yes. And he's he was very open to all that. We had one, Lenny Wolpe was reminding me, because uh, he's here doing Guys and Dolls. Yes. So he was reminding me about, Casey had this improv session where we came in as the, the actors who were playing. So it was uh, oh. Jack and Sadie Adler, you know, so we came in as Jack and Sadie Adler and and we improved, and we were supposed to come in with a backstory, you know, as individuals come in with a backstory. So we came in, and oddly enough, Lenny and I had written almost exactly the same backstory for our characters, which was just we loved that, and uh, so it gave us a, a nice, you know, a nice improv beginning. And out of that, originally, um, Felzik and Kitty didn't get married at the end of the show. This is a spoiler. Oh. But they didn't get married, and it was partly through that improv that they, that the creatives decided, well, they have to get together. That's just, you know, that's, we, we couldn't not do that. So, you know, that's just one example of how, you know, that process influenced the outcome of the Oh, of that's the show. so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the theater you were in was the Marriott Marquis, which yes. you were also in with Victor Victoria. Yes. So I saw Victor Victoria, and I mean, I I loved it. The choreography was great, but how was it? I mean, Blake Edwards and Julie Andrews. I mean, that. I mean, was she the biggest one of the biggest stars you've you've worked with a lot? But I mean, she's Julie Andrews. Uh, in my mind, yes, she's by far the biggest star I've ever worked with. I mean, at the curtain call, you know, she would enter from stage right for the curtain call, and we'd all gesture to her, and it would be like. Mary Poppins, how did she get in? How did she get in here? Or Maria von Trapp's yeah. walk is passing by me, and and she's lovely, lovely, uh. terrific person, you know. And Blake had never directed a, anything on stage before, you know, and so that was all new for him. And I remember one of the first rehearsals, you know, we started the scene, and then he wanted to stop, you know, and do something. And he went cut, and it was, just, you know, it was like, but of course he would. That's yeah. that was what he knew. He's, he was a, uh, you know, fascinating person. Really a heart of gold, but just a little curmudgeon-y, mm. but really a heart of gold. And they, you know, they they loved each other very much. You know, you could tell they, they loved each other. Yeah. 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 I always think it's amazing when you, uh, you're you working with people, because you never know who's going to hire you again. And I think we as performers are always looking at the director, choreographer, every, they're the be-all, end-all, and we sometimes could care less and we're rude to the other people around us. And often, oftentimes, the other people around us are the people that are going to cast us in the future. 
So, who else did you meet in Victor Victoria? Well, Casey Nicoloff. Yes. yes you know, and uh, we became good friends. Uh, Casey's got lots of friends. He's such a terrific oh, guy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so we became friends there, and then we, we later did the Scarlet Pimpernel together. And then he just wanted to make uh, a transition from being a performer to being choreographer-director. He literally made the decision and did it. You know, yeah. he did a choreographer showcase that he produced on his own and, you know, asked all of his friends to be a part of. And everyone willingly, you know, oh, they were course, so yeah. excited. He, you know, had barely had any money in his bank account, yeah. you know, and he wasn't performing. So he, and then suddenly, spam a lot happened for him. And his world, you know, really changed. Yeah. But he's always been very loyal to his friends and to people he enjoys working with. He's, I'm just so proud of him. And, oh, absolutely. You know, so it's a, it's a wonderful story. Yeah. And he's extremely talented. Oh, too, very, which, very talented. I think being good to work with is always important. But being good in the dressing room, and there's so many other aspects. Because I think as performers, we're... We have to be like a little bit self-absorbed and narcissistic in order to survive in this business. Mm -hmm. But it also does, that shouldn't take away from being a, a nice person. Absolutely not. I think you know. Uh, and Sutton Foster, I heard her interviewed once, and she's someone said, "What's your the advice you give?" And she said, "Be kind." And it's so true. It's so true. You can't burn any bridges. You can't afford to burn any bridges. And. Sometimes you just have to learn to keep your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. And um, that's for everyone in life. You know, sometimes you just got to keep your mouth shut. And, you know, I, I took a musical theater class at HB Studios with a gal. We became friends. I love her dearly. Her name's Barbara Whitman. She has four Tonys, you know, for producing now. And, yeah, there was a, 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 wow. a PA on um, Secret Garden, you know, that would just, you know, he'd do coffee runs for people and, you know, take notes. And he's now a big, big producer. So you never know. No. You never know. And you got to pay attention to and acknowledge everyone, you know, the dressers, you know, wardrobe sound people, all of them. You, you don't want to make any of them angry or, no. you know, not be on your side. So you, you gotta, you got to be kind and be on time. Yes. You know? No, I, I, completely, I completely agree. Yeah. So of your career, I mean, of your 15 shows, I think one of the biggest hits would have to be the producers. I would think, yes. which is amazing, and 15 Tonys, and the Juggernaut, and you were in the original cast of that, and yeah. how long did you stay with that? I was with it five years. Oh, you were? Yeah, I actually left the producers to do Drowsy Chaperone. Oh, okay. So I, yeah, I was there five years. It went by in a snap. It did? Yeah, it was just, you know, first of all, it's a good show. Yes. It's such a good show, so it was a happy place to be. Uh, I had been in Lacage for three years, so that was the longest I had done anything prior to that. And it was just such a luxury to be, you know, to know that you had a long run and yes. you could save some money and, you know, and stay at home. And that was uh, really, really wonderful. And yeah. what, what did you do? Were you a dancing granny? Were you... I was a, a tap dancing Nazi. I was a, an usherette. We, oh, okay. we opened the show. The yes. usherettes opened the show. And uh, I was uh, Lick Me, Bite Me, oh. who was oh. one of the grannies. Yes, <laughs> yes. The granny on the swing. And uh, and then just various other you know little things throughout. So and how was being in the room with Susan Stroman and Mel Brooks? I mean that creative process. Well, Susan Stroman is so organized and so you know you come in and you she tells you exactly what you you know she's just so organized. Everybody, it's it's a very well ordered room that she's in charge of, and everyone respects her and wants to impress her and do well for her. Yes. 
And Mel Brooks is just Mel Brooks. He is so unique and wonderful. Just lovely, you know. I don't really know how to describe him. What you see is, is what you get. Yeah. You know, he's just funny and uh, wants, wants to make the room comfortable and uh, could really make you feel special. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. You see, I, I adore Susan Stroman. And I, I, you've worked with so many directors and choreographers. And I think now we're, it's definitely trying to get more women directors and more women choreographers to the front. Do you feel that there's a big difference and... Uh, and why there is such inequality when it comes to having women being behind the creative team? I wish I had an answer for that. I just think it's taken a long time for people to respect that and understand that women can be in charge and can uh, do the job and do it very, very, very well. And it's just been a hard concrete block to chip away. Yeah. And it is starting to change and she was certainly on, uh, on the front lines of that. Yeah. But she can't, you know, relax. Every project she does, she works herself like a soldier, yeah. you know. And she uh, she doesn't step back. She doesn't, you know, take anything for granted. Just wonderful, organized, and uh, uh, respectful mm. person to work with. Yeah. Have you, as a woman, felt it, felt it personally, the inequalities? Or have you been kind of impervious to it? Or have you been affected by it? Hmm. I, there is pay inequality. There mm. definitely is. I don't have a profound answer mm. for this. Personally, I haven't felt defeated by that mm. or or upset by it. But that I'm, I completely acknowledge that it does exist right. and that it is out there. Yeah, absolutely. That's starting to change a bit too. Yeah. So, uh, I think too, as a male, you don't realize how much sexual harassment there actually was. Especially, I think, in theater, it's blurring stuff that we also think is appropriate, even if we're okay with it, in the grand scheme of things, is inappropriate. And I think back in the, some of the time when you were earlier starting, sexual harassment was all over the place. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, was that something that you had to deal with as a young dancer when you first moved to New York? In some ways. You know, now, I wasn't, you know, I've, I was never the, the sexy character person you know the sort of my function in the show was was uh like I wasn't a showgirl or mm. I didn't you know like Will Rogers Follies or mm. anything like that which I think those girls just by nature of what they did in the show were taken advantage of so I sort of have a different track you know with with that end of it but again I saw it a lot right. I saw it a lot saw it a lot all over the place yeah. so I'll be honest i I didn't get propositioned. I tend to, in situations like that, just step to the background. I call it when I when I move upstage. <laughs> right. So if things get uncomfortable, I move upstage. Yeah. I actually have but, not. I mean, a lot of gay men talk about yeah. it. I never have either. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can't speak from personal experience, but yes, of course, it it is all over the place. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that's what's great about uh, like a Susan Stroman show. There's no unprofessionalism. No. Whatsoever. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. So you have this huge, huge hit, uh, something like The Producers, and you uh, just revel in that. But then also in your life, you have something like Tuck Everlasting, which is a darling little show that was just kind of annihilated and disappeared. How does that affect you? It's like a baby, and they're telling you you don't like it, and you, you have a loss and a depression. I mean, how do you deal with that with your career? Because mm. it's ups and downs. Yeah. And that part never gets easier. It never does. I'd like to say that you get used to it, and it's... But you're mourning something, yeah. you know, you're mourning something that you've invested in emotionally. You know, you've made friendships that you don't want to let go of so soon. You know, you've just decorated your dressing room and you've got to, <laughs> you know, tear it all down. 
So it, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. It, absolutely. It's just going to happen. And if you stay in the business, it's going to keep happening. Yeah. You're going to have surprise hits, you know, things that, that run that you never expect. And with Tuck, still to this day, I couldn't tell you why it didn't. It was a big year. It was a Hamilton year. Right. You know, so there were a lot of product out that year, and we just somehow fell through the cracks, and it just didn't happen. But uh, I thought it was a beautiful show, and I had a beautiful experience with yeah. it. So it's one of those things, and uh, that this business where you just don't you don't understand it. Don't understand. And yeah. and I think that's too. It's when people talk about you have to be able to walk out of the room and leave it at the door. It's there's so much of this career is personal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I mean I haven't quite gotten figured out how to handle that. So any advice you have, but then just get used to it, I guess. You just. Uh, it's the nature of the business, yeah. and it's, uh, you know, any business has, you know, good things and bad things about it. To me, that's one of the heartbreaking things mm-hmm. about it, but uh, it's it's that thing, if you didn't care, it, that Dr. Seuss quote, what is it, you know, it hurts because you, you loved it, oh. you know, the loss, yes. it, it hurts because you, you cared about yeah. it, so, and that that's an important quality to have as an actor as a performer is the ability to be joyful and love what you're doing yeah like losing a pet you yeah. know and you go well you know i wouldn't trade the love for that pet that i had for anything yeah and that mourning is just is p- part of the price yeah you, part of the price you pay so. yeah it's definitely a price yeah we talked about this just briefly i asked you if you were relationship or, or married or anything like that and you said no and i i'm single now and i do think that it's part of the price of this business is that I just, I haven't had time to invest in that. Is that been something that you've like struggled with? You with your career, I don't see how you could even have a fish. You seem like <laughs> you're just so busy, at least on paper. You know, when I was younger, I think I was more troubled by being single, you know, and not having someone. But I, I got to a point where I realized, and someone told me early on, which was a lovely, lovely thing for someone to say. They said, you know what? There's all kinds of love in the world. And don't look at it as a loss, but just you know, look at the, the people and things you have to love that you have. Mm. And that was a wonderful thing for me to hear. And it's absolutely true. I have a career I love. I have friends that I love. I have you know people that I've worked with that I love working with. So I I feel like I have a very full life. Yeah. You know it might not it might not be enough for someone else. You know, but it has also afforded me the the freedom to go out on tour if I need to. Mm. You know to take gigs away and uh, not feel that tug of you know responsibility back home with family or with with a husband or wife or whatever. Right. Yeah. Perhaps that's selfish of me, but I think at some point I realized that that was the direction. My life was going, and I was happy about that. Yeah, and I've never felt like life has has you know betrayed me in any way by not giving me a relationship. I think it's something that I chose, and uh, I don't feel bad about that. I think that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So with Anastasia, you had a, a that was a good long a, two years. Two years. Yeah, and it was a like a cult hit, which I didn't yes. realize that it has such a fan base. The Fanastasias. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You were talking about how uh, some of the girls would like poke fun at you that you got to the theater early and and warmed up, which I think is funny because shouldn't everyone get to the theater early and warm up? Yeah, um, and I may have miss I may have m- misinterpreted that. Too. It, they weren't really poking fun oh, at me. Yeah. They were just it was just like you you always get yeah you know you get here so early. You're always so good about yeah. you know doing your exercises. And I told them I said you know if I didn't have to do them. I, I wouldn't yeah. believe me you know I said but 
I would not be able to do eight shows a week and climb these stairs up to this dressing room without doing my exercises. Yes. And it's not even, you know, I'm not being noble about it. The fact is I couldn't do my job without doing this. So, you know, I, and again, when I was their age, you know, I maybe right, yeah. didn't see it in the same way. Or maybe yeah. I hadn't gotten injured, you know, and I have suffered some injuries. What type of know? injuries have you had to deal with? Oh, I broke my leg in previews of Anastasia. I've, uh, you know, just repetitive stress things like with the producers, the heels, the shoes, mm. the, the high heels. And uh, just you do th- these, call them the swastika arms. Oh, yes. The producers, I had shoulder problems. So it's that thing of eight shows a week, you're doing the same physical things over and over again in the show. Yeah. Climbing stairs, climbing stairs, heels, heels, heels. So, uh, you know, these repetitive stress injuries that you can't really even anticipate, you know, until they start happening, cropping up. So, you know, you get physical therapy for it. You learn how to try to stay on top of it, you know, and, and keep in shape and keep the joints moving, keep your body going, and uh, and aging, you know, aging does a number. And yes, it does. you'd like to think that that, you know, oh, I can overcome that, but in fact, Mother Nature is always going to win. Yeah. Always going to win. So you got to take her hand and do the best you can and try to stay on top of it. Yeah. So. so besides injuries and taking care of yourself for that, have you had issues with body image and this business can be ridiculous when it comes to that absolutely you know I was because <laughs> I never you know you never think you're too thin you know <laughs> so and I was looking at this is also was a good journey for me so I was looking at pictures I, oh I went to see the the Lincoln Center filming of drowsy chaperone oh, yeah. before I came here just to see it yeah yep. and I watched it and I went wow I was really in good shape and I was trim and I I looked good at the time, I didn't think that, you uh, know, yeah. at the time, I didn't think that. Yeah. But looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, you did all right. And then, uh, you know, some of my costumes, uh, some of my kitty costumes are being used oh, right. in the show now. And I look at them and I go, wow, I couldn't get my big toe in those now. And instead of being like feeling bad about that, I'm kind of like, gee, you know, oh, well, yeah. that was that was 12 years ago, yeah. you know. A, a lot has happened, you know, physically since then. Yeah. A lot of, you know, natural aging things have happened, and I am where I am, and and I'm kind of delighting in it more than anything. I want to be healthy, right? So, uh, and you know, being a character actor, you can kind of get away with that a little more easily than if if you're a leading lady, right? Uh, you know. But again, hopefully, all of that is there's a shift in that too, yeah. because there are brilliant, brilliant, wonderful dancers of all sizes and shapes, mm-hmm. and they are being used and being hired, and I think that's a fantastic thing. Oh, I do too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because I, I love the fact that your, well, one, your career is spanned so many years, like almost decades, but I don't, I don't, even, I don't know how old you are, so I'm not going to guess. Mm-hmm. What is your secret to longevity? It started uh, a wonderful gal named Mary Jane Houdina, who I did that George M. Mm. tour with way back when I first got my equity card. She was in the company, She's a wonderful dancer, uh, actress, and she's also a teacher and choreographer. And she told me early on, she said, oh, you're a utility person. And I went, well, that sounds really unsexy. That sounds really not very exciting. And I've realized what she was saying was, yeah, you can do a lot of different things and you can be useful in in many ways. And I embraced that Mm. identity. And I think that has 
helped me have a long career. I mean, it's, it's lovely to do a, a role, you know, a leading role, supporting role. It, that's lovely. But there's also great experiences being an understudy. I've been a swing. Mm. You know, you feel like you saved the day. Yeah. You know, I've been the in the back row, the person in the corner that, you know, you never really see during the show. So I've had a little bit of all of it. But I think it's, if you find joy in being on stage and doing what you're doing and you have a love for it, then why limit yourself in your experience of, of being on stage? I've never been a star. I'm never going to be a star. And that's okay. Because that, in a way, has released me to be able to do whatever jobs come my way, right. you know. And I, that's that's great. Because sometimes you just need insurance weeks, you know. Yes. And unemployment runs out, and you need to work. I th- believe you can find joy in any performing experience, you know. Uh, and, I. Uh, I definitely agree. And, you know, there comes a point where there are some jobs literally I just physically can't do. And that's okay, too. That's all right. Yeah. That's all right. You got to know your limits. Yeah. You got to know your limits, but why limit yourself? I so appreciate you talking about embracing Mother Nature and embracing your age, but having that not limit you as much as guide you to what your next adventure is going to be. Perfectly put. Yes. Oh, Why, well, thank yes. you. What's funny is that I was talk- I want to talk to you about how you're becoming a character actress, but then I realized like Kitty is definitely a character actress, but then go all the way back to Singing in the Rain, you played Lita Lamont. Mm-hmm. So even when you were younger, there's always, character actresses isn't about being old. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and truly Adelaide in yeah. Guys and Dolls is, is a character part. Yes. It's a leading character role. Yes. It's not just Ann Eller. You no. Know? No. Yeah. No. And it can be, you know, the soubrette is more of a character than the than the ingenue right. or the or the leading lady. You know, she's she's a, a, a young character person. So yeah, uh, yeah. Anytime Annie, you know. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Lily St. Regis. Yeah, they're yeah. all over the place. Yeah, those are fantastic roles to be. You know. Yeah. Did you enjoy understudying, or is that? You know, I would rather understudy than not work. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've had some great experiences with it. In Anastasia, I got to understudy the Dowager. Oh, nice. And it was, that was such a great experience. Uh, you know, Mary Beth Peel played the Dowager, and she's just such a lovely person, and I learned so much just by watching her. And th- that's a completely different sort of role than I normally do. It's much more serious, mm. you know, much more dramatic role. And it was just wonderful you know it was really a lovely experience yeah oh wow yeah so we talked about the fact that you're being kind but with all this career do you you don't have an edge like a new york edge or a bite or is it have you been able to maintain that which is just is wonderful maybe it's just where i grew up and how i grew up Mm. you know i was taught to say yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am you know my parents were very gracious and wonderful people and i think i hope to be like them and it's also I love show business you know I love theater it's wonderful I think it's important in the world but it's not brain surgery you know yeah Uh, we're enhancing lives we're not saving them really you know so what is there really to to get bitter and jaded and and mean about you know an edge wouldn't have helped me in any way some people I guess it perhaps it does or Perhaps it challenges them and energizes them. Yeah. It would just be un- untrue to who I want to be. Yeah. And I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah. No, I yeah. agree. Yeah. I was talking, I've been talking to a lot of the interns here, and then the interns work for free here and run our sets, and yeah. the costumes are all volunteer. And one of the interns today was like, 
everyone in this cast talks to us. He's like the other no one other cast had talked to them, and it was just so funny because they were just like this cat. He's like some people bring us food and cookies, and he was so sweet because he was just like. They're like, we think like we're doing something wrong <laughs> because people are nice to us. He said that they weren't not nice to them. They just kind of ignored them. They, he just was so gracious that everyone in this cast was so nice. But their main thing was is that then they're learning about the business because people that they're working up with who are professionals are open to talking to them. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's wonderful because yeah. I know I started working when I was like 14 and older people talking to me about their career I learned from yeah absolutely yeah that's and if they say good examples of that you know kind examples yeah it in, informs them on 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 how to behave yeah. you know in the theater yeah you know the most productive way to behave yeah, yeah. No, and I just yeah. think it's amazing. Yeah. High society. Because you got to work with Daniel McDonald. Daniel McDonald, yes. What a joyous man. And Lovely. It's weird, I think, now uh, we're both getting older, that people that we've worked with are starting to die. And you told me about the, the article and the Spamalot cast, how two people from that company has died. Has, it's, yeah. it's, it's also very sad that people you know very well and then don't see for years, you find out that you know what I mean? They just die. It's, I guess that's part of the business, but because we meet so many people. Yeah. It's not like an office job where you see the same 20 people. I mean, yeah. we're, we met 40 people this week, and we're probably not going to see 38 of them again. Yeah. It's really weird to, uh, to become so close, so separate, and then someone to have these freak accidents like Daniel McDonald had. Yeah. 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 It's tragic. Yeah. And lovely man, and uh, he left a terrific legacy. Yeah. So. Yeah. How was I? Didn't like I don't know hardly anything about high society, and because it didn't last for very long. Didn't last for very long. It was based on the Philadelphia story, that film, and the the producers. Which it it was a good idea to take all this Cole Porter music oh, okay. and, and put it, you know, and and do the the story and add this Cole Porter music. It just didn't didn't quite make it, mm. you know. You know, again, a wonderful cast. John McMartin, who brilliant another one who has passed on, but mm. we would sit in the wings. Um, he, he had a number, it was called uh, uh, Say It With Jen. And it was, uh, he played the alcoholic uncle and was just brilliant and charming and wonderful. And we literally, every night, would stand in the wings and watch him do that number. And he was just heartbreaking. If you ever hear the soundtrack or if you look it up, and yeah. l- uh, Say It With Jen with John McMartin and it's just so beautiful. He was so, so, so wonderful in it. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And who was the young girl? Was there a young... Melissa Errico. Oh, Melissa Errico. Mm-hmm. Was it? No, but the little girl. Oh, the little girl. Anna. Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Yeah, she was nominated for a Tony. I think she was 11 or 12 oh, at the gosh. time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and she was just, she's an old soul. You yeah. Know, she would, you could see her just looking at us like, what are you silly adults doing? <laughs> you know? And she's now this amazing actress and, and uh, you know, celebrity. So I'm happy for her. She oh, was yeah. a lovely kid. Yeah, lovely and I love kid. that she loves doing the music. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. So uh, I did talk to you about this a little bit. With Lacage, one thing that I hear about is uh, the the AIDS legacy is something that, because I was a kid during it, and it really affected my outlook on, on life and everything like that. So, But I didn't, I wasn't definitely affected by it as an adult. And when I hear about that era, people talk about Lacage and people just dropping, and that show in particular being affected. So 
I'm assuming, unfortunately, that you went to a lot of funerals and that was a difficult time on Broadway. It, it was. It was, um, I think it's pretty amazing, you know, just the fact that Lacage came out when the AIDS crisis hit and that it was, you know, this musical about uh, a gay couple. So it was bringing people's attention to the gay culture, you know, a gay culture, mm -hmm. bringing attention to it, and then at the same time the AIDS crisis comes out. So it was very timely, I think, in many, many, many ways. And it also gave not only our show, but the Broadway community a sense of community. Mm. Because from out of, and we did lose a lot of people, lost a lot of people. But out of that came Broadway Cares the Easter mm. Bonnet started at Lacage. Oh. You know, it was a bunch of drag queens who got bored. So <laughs> they uh, they decided to have a um, it was on Valentine's Day and they had a Queen of Hearts. This was just in house. They had a Queen of Hearts contest and these, you know, people could do whatever they wanted for their the talent portion of it and they would do their talent portion and people would vote by putting money in a jar and they donated that to uh, the AIDS crisis and that turned into they it was so much fun that they decided on Easter they would have an Easter bonnet competition so again it began in-house at the Palace Theater and anyone in the building who wanted to design a bonnet you know would design a bonnet and again they'd vote and whoever raised the most money in their jar the next year they decided to invite other Broadway companies to join in and, and uh, submit a bonnet. And they had a, you know, they had a little presentation at, between shows at the Palace Theater, you know, and people would model their bonnets. Well, now it's turned into this huge, huge yeah. fundraising event that raises millions of dollars. And, uh, you know, it's a big extravaganza and it started in the basement of the Palace Theater with Lacajo Falls. Yeah. Because the, because the AIDS crisis did hit that company particularly terribly. But again, it led to this amazing legacy yeah. that, that came out of it. So I don't think it's, it was an accident that that, that show opened in at that, that time of crisis. And how so. old were you at that? I was in my 20s, mid-late 20s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you'd been yeah. around, because it seems like a young girl from from, from Texas, Texas <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden, like in a show about drag queens, and like there's a national epidemic. Well, there was a little bit of that, you know. I yeah. think there was a, a little, maybe a lot of that for a lot of us. You yeah, know? I think there was a naivete around for a lot of people. Boy, we woke up real fast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In subsequent productions of it, it's been an all male. All the cajels been yeah. male, but wasn't the secret in the original? The original, there were two females in it, and it was. I thought that was part of the delight of it. You yeah. know, people trying to, you know, realize anything. Oh, there really were two women. Wait a minute. I if I, I would have thought he was, you know, or yeah. whatever. So I thought that was a delightful aspect yeah. to it. I, I'm only guessing they they don't do that now just because the size of casts are so much smaller. Right. Yeah. Then I also heard that they change the marketing at some point to try to make the Kajafal less gay. My memory is, and I believe, and I, I may be incorrect, but, you know, initially when the show opened, it attracted, you know, the theater goers, right. you know, I think the gay population felt felt safe to come and celebrate this show. So, and then after a while, it was becoming, you know, the people from Jersey, you know, a different, a different audience was coming in and they needed to attract a different sort of audience. So my memory is when the show went out on the road when the tours went out 
because it was going into middle America. And that I think they got nervous about trying to market it mm. as quote-unquote gay show. Or uh, they tried to soften that part of the marketing to bring in... Uh, you know, the bridge and tunnel crowd or mm. you know middle America sort of so the the poster was changed from a sort of a cartoony figure and they had uh, it was one of the Kajels mm. you know but it was one of the female Kajels with you know beautiful feminine face and then in the corner was a picture of a couple sitting at a uh, you know in a cafe that's my memory of why they changed it right. that way or tried they they headed the marketing yeah. towards that yeah well I mean but I think that's one thing that I think is it's, there's so many pros and cons to catering to middle America because I think now Broadway in, in many ways is catering to middle America and to tourists. Do you think you feel the change on Broadway trying to appease middle America as opposed to trying to appease New York and theater goers? Oh, I think I think it, both things still exist. Right. Yeah. And we have to remember that, that Broadway is a commercial endeavor. Yes. You know, the point of these people investing, producers... You, you want them to love what they're producing, right. you know, and be passionate about it, regardless right. of what it is. But, you know, they want to make money. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the point of commercial theater. Yeah. You know, they want to something that they love to make money for them and for their investors. You know, they have a, a fiduciary responsibility to their investors. But I see on Broadway, there's, there's so many much more edgy things. I mean, you got Dear Evan Hansen, you know. Yeah. To me, right now, there's kind of a nice balance between, you know, Things that have been running forever that are more traditional, you know, things that are coming in that have, you know, like Tootsie or something yeah. like this, and edgier things, you know, Hades Town. Yeah. You know, there's so I think right now there's a there's a nice balance, but I, I think it would be a mistake for us as actors to forget that that Broadway and commercial. I'm not I'm not talking about not for profit. I'm not talking about other things that have more freedom to mm. to be you know edgy and you know less commercial but we we're doing ourselves a disservice if we forget that broadway is a commercial endeavor yeah no absolutely we want our we want things to run that are gonna pay the bills yeah and And we want producers to keep producing things yes exactly yeah i know because i guess they just said this this year with a lot of the shows that are going to be closing between now and the fall that they lost investors lost a hundred million dollars this year yeah so you don't want producers to be like, well, then we're only gonna um, produce Lion King for now on. You know what I mean? Or yeah. uh, it's so it's it's hard, but some producers are willing to take the risk. Yes, thankfully we we must thank them every day oh. for the chances they take. Yes, because they risk, risk, risk. Yes. Yeah. So um, one of the things I'm learning now as I'm getting older is that I need to have uh, something else that's my passion because if I just am only having theater. It can be very like blinding and negative and sad and disappointing. So I mm-hmm. put my fingers in other pies. Where, what else do you love that keeps you sane in this business? I love to travel. Oh. I love it. And I really, you know, I resisted it for a, a long time because I thought, oh, I don't want to go by myself. You know, I don't want to go to Europe by myself. You know, I'm scared to do that. And then friends or, you know, relatives, no one ever, our schedules didn't, didn't, shore up and you couldn't you know I couldn't really plan anything blah blah and then uh, I just decided once well I'm just gonna go I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Paris and just see what it's like yeah and I went by myself and I survived yeah <laughs> and had a fantastic time and I was like what have I been waiting for so I really have just gotten bitten by the travel bug and I really really love to travel so that's something that you know when I'm when I'm away, when I'm in a different country, you know, 
they certainly don't care if I'm in show business. You know, they don't even know what it is. Right, yeah, know? exactly. And it's nice to just be a traveler, yeah. you know, and experiencing other cultures and other people. And I really, really love that. And uh, I, I've had a, a series of cats, you know, so I love my cats. I love my friends. So those are those are my passions. Yeah. yeah. Is anyone else in your family in show business? Are you? Not uh, even close. No. Uh, both my parents are deceased. But my dad was a CPA. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. Wonderful stay-at-home mom. My brother is a federal appeals court judge on the Fifth Circuit. Both my sisters were teachers, educators. So yeah, no, not even uh, not even close. But all of them have always been. I'm very very fortunate and lucky. They've always been very supportive of me and what I do yeah and and so you know I had to miss I've had to miss a lot of family events Mm -hmm. you know they're all still in Texas so that's been a sacrifice you know there are sacrifices in every every business and every line of work but that's been one but they've always been very forgiving and and kind and supportive of me that's great yeah well so I have two random questions okay one do you think Texas should be its own state yes country <laughs> no it should be its own country <laughs> yes it's and it was you know it was a, a country for for nine years country. <laughs> it was its own country yeah yes it should be <laughs> <laughs> I love that. and then the other one is did you ever uh, see or feel Judy Garland's ghost in the palace theater no 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 no. Is that a rumor or? Did I, 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 I don't even know. That that may be an urban legend. No, I never have. No. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. Like, I think if there was ghosts, they wouldn't bother me because I don't have that belief in them. You, you know, I believe that there are things out there that we don't know anything about. Yeah. But I also feel very comfortable that I, I don't think there's any reason for a ghost to be antagonistic towards me. I mean, yeah. I don't think I incite that sort of energy. Right. Yeah. For them to to behave badly towards me yeah. so I just I, I don't give it that um, right. that that energy yeah. so yeah I'd have a heart attack and die so I think they know that they know that yeah so they're like let's <laughs> they never leave him alone leave him alone because <laughs> even if we say hi to him nicely yes. he'll freak out yes so how many times have you been on the Tonys you know only a couple of times oh really yeah and here's the thing Anastasia was the first time I ever did the Macy's Parade Really? Yes. Out of 15 yeah. shows yeah it just for circum- either they did a number I wasn't involved in or or I was in a show that didn't do the parade or oh, whatever. Wow. So I thought they they didn't do show off for Macy's Day Parade. They didn't do the Macy's Parade. Really? No, Beth Level was on the the, the CBS Parade. You know the other yes. parade. Yes. But they didn't have us on the parade. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. That is crazy. How about that? How about that? Yeah. But I've done two Tony Awards. I did producers and Drowsy Chaperone. Uh, Lacage. I was on the vocal track. Oh we, okay. I was on the vocal track for that. But other shows, either we weren't nominated for Best Musical, mm. so we weren't on the Tonys, or again, they did a number that I was not not a part of. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yeah. then, I mean, how many cast albums do you know? You, do you a good amount of cast. Yeah. 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 Probably 15. Probably 10, well, 10, maybe 12. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of those shows I was a, a replacement. I mean, your career is amazing. Sometimes these interviews are for me to learn stuff because I look at your where your career has gone and it's, I'm like, okay, that's what I want and I I like utility like a utility player because sometimes you you can be in the ensemble sometimes you can be a random gangster sometimes you can cover the lead and sometimes you can be a swing yeah and it gives your career longevity yeah I feel like would you have a, a, an agent or a representation I do I've been with my agent for a long time Jeannie Nicolosi oh yeah Nicolosi and company yes. and uh, it's a good fit for me it's a medium-sized agency I feel like they really know me know what I do respect what I do and if I say to them you know 
right now I don't want to go out of town. They have really respected my journey for a long, long time, and I really appreciate them very much. I'm very fortunate. Yeah, because I know some that. agents are like principal, principal, principal. Yeah. They believe in me, and they want the world to 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 feel the same way yes. that they feel. So they would oh they would love it if you know I they want me to feel fulfilled. So whatever that that is, you know, I I think they are happy with. So well, that's that's that's, that's, that's a lovely like, thing. That's, that's a really yeah. lovely thing. Yeah. So of this incredible long career, if you had like a moment or two moments that were just like incredible highlights, what stands out in your head? Well, one I mentioned earlier, and that's in the curtain call, turning and seeing Julie Andrews walk oh. out on stage. That's that's just a lovely thing, and um, it, it's also it sounds sad, but it was really a beautiful moment. The original drowsy. I felt like it closed too soon, it did. but the show at the end, you know, everyone's out there and the plane goes up, and it was just one, you know, it was that thing of feeling loss and yet knowing that things would go on, mm-hmm. and it just, the show was so representative of, of all of that, that that last performance was heartbreaking, 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 and yet you could feel so much joy mm. in the room, so that was a really a really special yeah special event i love the end of the show and uh, manager says does what theater is supposed to do it makes you escape yeah it, it gives you a place to go and you know when you're tired of what's going on in the world and you need an escape it's that that's the point of theater is to help you when you're feeling blue yeah basically you know just yeah. give you hope yeah that's a beautiful thing it really is yeah. and it reminds me of like that I actually get to do that for other people yes. my my job is to give someone a three-hour escape and yeah it's fun to be able to do that and then to have examples of you to be like oh I can continue doing it oh I want Jennifer Smith's career it's just it's it's lovely so thank you so much for doing absolutely. this absolutely I'm thrilled you asked me to do this. oh yes yes Yay. yes so I love to end this uh, podcast with a song from your life it can be something that sticks out in your head now or it can be something that inspires you as a kid just to represent it's you it's not me it's not anything for musical theater that's but great. it's music that has always inspired me and energized me and made me so happy and that's anything that Tom Jones sings Really? Yes. Tom Jones. You yes. have one that, because Pussycat always. Pussycat, I like, uh, it's not unusual, or Delilah. Those, those may be my favorite. Oh, yeah, all right. Love them. Then that's how we will end Yay. this. Thank you very much. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. It's not unusual to have fun with anyone. But when I see you hanging about with anyone, it's not unusual to see me cry, I wanna die It's not unusual to go out at any time But when I see you out and about, it's such a crime If you should ever wanna be loved by anyone It's not unusual, it happens every day No matter what you say Find it happens all the time Love will never do What you want to do Why can't this crazy love be more It's not unusual you want to be mad with anyone 
It's not unusual to be sad with anyone But if I ever find that you've changed at any time It's not unusual to find 